0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: welcome to the casting cross fly fishing podcast i'm matthew of castingacross.com where i explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing well this is the Vacation, a.k.a. Family Trip edition of the podcast. I am down in the Mid-Atlantic in Virginia, visiting family, and just having a nice reprieve from the normal of uh, the new normal, which is hopefully soon to be a newer normal of what life is like up in New England. But it's just been good to get away, to spend some time playing with the kids, and to see family, and just uh, being back kind of where I am from. And that's what I'm talking about today. i talking about being back where I am from and actually catching a fish that I've been trying to catch for a long, long time. So let me back up to the beginning. I started fly fishing when I was about maybe 14 or 15 years old. I had just recently got into conventional fishing and uh, my buddy Alan had gotten into fly fishing in order to fish on a catch and release fly fishing only stretch of water up in Pennsylvania. And so because he was my primary vehicle for getting into fishing, I quickly followed suit. And most of our early fishing happened north of where we lived in Virginia. So we had to head from Virginia into Maryland and or Pennsylvania. And as we made this drive, this same drive, over and over and over again, we would drive over this one particular creek. And I can remember Alan saying early on, I bet there's fish in that creek. Now, this is kind of one of those things where you you make a certain progression as an angler. I didn't care about this creek because I knew there was fish in the creek we were going to. Why would I care about a different creek that may or may not have fish in it? So what he had and what I had yet to develop was this wonder and this um, desire to know, is there fish in this creek? Um, and are they catchable? Specifically, are they trout? Are there trout close to home? And so after a while, that was something that I started kind of enjoying to think about but this one creek this particular little stream a spring creek and i knew it was a spring creek because it was bubbling up out of nowhere it went from a very very small trickle on a hillside to a very good sized creek in a matter of meters Um, and it was right off the side of the road but it was also hedged in by private property Uh, it was very very apparent that the stream bank on both sides was not just someone's yard but someone's estate where they were keeping it very well manicured and as we got older and as maps became easier to come by and as the internet was something that you could use to kind of research these things without having to go into a town hall and dig out records we quickly realized that there was no good way to get on this property in fact Uh, There was one time where we tried to get in the property as we were teenagers, and we were escorted off by a hired security unit. So this was something that was always in the back of my mind. These trout live very close to home. In fact, these are probably the closest trout to where I've lived. And so this was something that I've written about before. There was a series of articles on castingacross.com, at a two-part podcast series called Trout Quixote, and this was basically me chronicling my desire to catch a trout as close to home as possible. So since I've gotten into fly fishing, I lived in four places. Northern Virginia, which is where I'm sitting right now and where I'm talking about, South Carolina, and for South Carolina, I actually live very close to fish. I was I was in Columbia, and so I was close to the Saluda River, and they put primarily rainbow trout there, and it was just a totally different ball game. It's a it's a tailwater, but to get into native trout, I had to get into northwestern South Carolina, and I didn't even find brook trout when I was fishing there. It was all rainbows. Um, I just wasn't in as much of a hurry to find uh, native brookies at that point in life. Well, then I moved to south-central Pennsylvania, and there I lived right on the banks of some of the premier spring creeks in not just Pennsylvania but in the country. Uh, and so I, I was easily into fish. And then as I've written about and talked about quite a bit on Casting Across, currently I live in north shore of Massachusetts and I have found native wild reproducing brook trout in southern New Hampshire only about 15 to 20 miles as the crow flies from my house. I'd like to bring that number down, but I'm pretty content with it. Still, the white whale, the uh, dragon I was seeking to vanquish, was the trout close to where I started trout fishing, trout in northern Virginia. And so I, I actually, before I moved back up to New England, I tried to get into these fish, and it didn't work out. Uh, I I fished that stream, and I couldn't find them. I cast my heart out. I tried every tactic, every approach, and I fished as much as I could to no avail. So I thought, if I have a couple hours on this trip, I'm going to give it a whirl. And I was given uh, the blessing to go do that. So this morning, I went out. Now, to get to the stream, it actually takes a little bit of creative access because I said earlier, both sides of the stream bank are private property. Now without going into too much detail about how and where and why and when you can access water, the long and the short of it is, is as long as you are within that stream bank, you have a pretty good chance of being on the right side of the law. Moreover, if that river has been used for any sort of industry at any point in time, there's a very good chance that you're okay to be below the high water mark, even in a quirky commonwealth like Virginia. But I also know that all of the access roads to get to that river are on private property. They are not state roads, and so I could not utilize them because I was not an invited guest. So I didn't want to cause trouble, I didn't want to ask for permission, I didn't want to ask for forgiveness. Uh, So I came up with a plan and this plan was to access the river from below. Now every river, every stream, every creek flows into something and there's a good chance that that something is a water body that you can access and that's the case with this situation the river that this creek flows into is a large river easy to access that being said the closest access point and this particular river that I wanted to use as an access point to this creek was about 2 miles south or downstream of the mouth of this little spring creek but that was my only option now of course if you had a watercraft, so if I would have brought a kayak down or a canoe, I could have easily put in above and cruised down and gotten out and made it happen much, much simpler. But I didn't have a canoe. I didn't have a kayak. So what did I do? I parked downstream about two miles at a public boat ramp parking lot situation and I hiked. Now, it was a pretty fun hike. The water's low and it really, really, really stunk. But I saw lots of fish. I saw lots of bass. I saw lots of carp. It was very difficult to not spend all my time casting to these fish, especially because they were willing to play ball. And I was catching some of those fish, but if I would have stopped, I would have wasted my entire day. And it turns out, as I'll get to here in a minute, it was good that I didn't spend too much time goofing around with these fish. But I still wanted to be uh, giving them a fair shake, so I actually brought a three weight. And a six weight. The six weight was loaded for, for bass and the three weight what I was keeping in reserve for when I got up to this little trout stream. But most of the hike was being done on this riverbed because as soon as you got up the bank it was private property and i checked and i double checked there was no right away there was no path there was no access points so i was staying on the muddy banks which i am about six weeks out from a pretty bad ankle injury so what did i do i wore heavy duty wading boots and i trudged up this riverbank so it was about a 30 degree angle the entire time with my left foot heading upstream much much higher than my right foot, and I was having to go over logs and go over um, places where the bank had eroded out. But seeing really cool things, waterfowl and other birds that were chasing fish, lots and lots of carp. I saw more carp today probably than I've ever seen in my entire life in 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 one day. Just huge. Pods of carp swimming around, but none of them are really feeding actively. And so I had to remind myself that a carp that's just chilling in the current probably doesn't want to play ball. So I kept walking upstream, walking upstream. Uh, I had to get over some pretty good sized down trees. And uh, one in particular I got to, and I started s- summiting this downed tree. It was a pretty good sized tree. And as I had one leg up and over it, I heard this noise. And I looked down and this snake body just kept coming and coming and coming kind of over some of the downed branches that were below me. So that gave me a little bit of incentive to hop up because I've kind of uh, lulled myself into an apathy about snakes living up in northern New England where we don't really have any venomous snakes. But to remind myself, I'm in Virginia, and things can bite and sting and cause all sorts of problems down here. But all that to say, I finally got up to the access point. At one point in time, I thought I was going to be found out because there was somebody mowing their lawn within 10 feet of where I was. And so I kind of sat still. Again, not because I felt guilty. I just didn't want to go through the hassle of explaining who I was, why I was there, what I was doing. I would rather just go and fish. So I kind of like pressed myself up against the string bank and kept a very, very low profile for uh, a good couple of minutes. And then I got to the mouth of this creek. And it was really, really cool because this really warm, tepid river, all of a sudden the water temperature got cold. And you turn left as you're heading upstream. So I turned west and there is this pristine Spring Creek. Tumbling down there's some gradient uh, at the very mouth of the creek where it goes from kind of up on the, the floodplain down into the river and there's a little bit of a valley on both sides of this little creek and it's just a totally different tributary than anything else that I encountered on this hike or other hikes I've done in the area. And so I made my way up into the creek and I was really trying to think back to the last time I was here. What did I do that was probably the right thing, I just didn't yield any results, and what did I do that was probably wrong. Now what I thought I did that was wrong was I was approaching this creek not like a spring creek but like a mountain stream. So I was casting up into plunge pools and just expecting that putting my fly in these spots is going to yield fish because You know who are these fish to refuse my fly the fact of the matter is is that this is a spring creek and although it didn't look like a traditional uh, spring creek for the area that is to say kind of like a limestone spring creek it still was much more nutrient rich than a mountain stream so these fish are going to be a little bit more particular and a little bit more skeptical of what's swimming in front of them than the fish up in the mountains so consequently i told myself slow down so i ditched my six weight. Um, up against a tree, which actually made me really nervous. Like, I thought, I, I've done that before, but here is a place where there's like walking paths that are just out of view, people's yards. And I thought, you know, if they don't see me, they're, they, they're going to walk by and see this fishing rod, and then either the, the jig's up or this rod's going to get stolen or whatever. So I, I kind of hit it up in a tree, probably overkill, but I fished with my three weight upstream. I cast in the first few pools to no results, but I was seeing a lot of life. I was seeing sculpins. I was seeing crayfish. I was seeing bugs coming off, and I moved slowly up the stream, and it's just such a cool experience to be in a relatively suburban environment and have this cold, clean water and no other footprints. There's deer tracks. There were raccoon tracks. There were other critters, but no boot prints. It was only the boot soles from my wading boots that I was seeing. So after maybe about 15 or 20 minutes I get to a pool that just looks fantastic and I'm casting into it and casting into it and trying to work a tiny little streamer against the edges of the undercut bank, the edges of some down limbs, the edges of some rocks when I see what I think is a splash and so I did something that I'm I'm kind of proud of myself for doing this because I was convinced that this little streamer was going to be the recipe for success but I stopped fishing I waited and I watched and in the course of about five minutes I witnessed two other rises at the head of a pool probably uh, 30 or 40 feet above me and I kept watching and I saw two more rises in another maybe three or four minutes And so I tied on a small parachute Adams. It was about a size 18. I made sure my tippet was good. Made sure my knots at my leader were good. And I made two or three really, really bad casts. And I thought for sure I ruined things. But instead of trudging up through the pool, I chilled and I waited. And whether it was just me taking time to see this fish start rising again or if I gave it a chance to cool off after not making a couple of bad casts, it started rising again. I watched it rise two times. And I kind of paid attention to the type of rise and the type of rise was a really, really Splashy rise, so I knew it wasn't going to be a big fish, which I didn't anticipate for this type of creek. I didn't I didn't think I was going to be getting into a bunch of you know 14, 16 inch fish. I thought I was going to be dealing with six, eight inch fish, and that's exactly what what the rise was kind of indicating. It was also showing that this fish was coming from lower in the water column, so. I probably had a little bit of a buffer as to my presentation. This wasn't a fish that was sitting right at the surface of the water, uh, just lifting its, its nose up to suck in uh, dry flies, but this was a fish that was hanging down low and when something came, it was swimming up quickly, getting it and then retreating to cover. So that gave me a little bit more of uh, leeway in my casting. But my next cast, top of the pool, saw that post of that dry fly go and then splash, hooked him. And it was a wonderful feeling immediately, very little resistance. I knew this was going to be a small fish, but this was a small fish that I have been waiting for. So I played him over, kept him in the water the whole time. It was a little rainbow trout that went from the tip of my middle finger down to just past the hinge of my wrist on my left hand. And I held him in there for a little bit, got the hook out, took a couple of pictures, a little video of letting him go. Very, very cool. Very rewarding. Big paddle tail on this guy. white tip fins. Relatively unremarkable, pretty pretty um, pale in coloration, blue uh, par marks, um, really uh, speckled uh, dorsal fin, which was kind of interesting. But again, a relatively unremarkable rainbow trout. It wasn't some unique coloration, just a rainbow trout. But wild, naturally reproducing rainbow trout very very close to where i grew up and uh where where i still kind of consider my hometown very cool experience within two minutes of releasing that little fish it was almost as if a bell went off and people started mowing their lawns hikers and joggers and people on horseback started coming all over the place and i started to feel like you know what i'm going to be in a situation where i'm going to have conversations of who i am what i'm doing why I'm here and so I thought you know what this one fish is good enough I probably made three or four more casts but then I said you know what I'm out of here made my way back to the main river and uh, picked up that six weight and started making more casts for some warm water fish but it was a really cool experience and going all the way back to me and Alan when we were teenagers driving over this creek I can appreciate now that that six inch rainbow trout means a whole lot more than a lot of 16 and even 20 inch trout that I've caught because this is a fish that isn't supposed to be there not just because it's a rainbow trout but there are so many other little creeks in this area that have been channelized paved over or just destroyed but this one has made it and this fish has thrived and it was a herculean effort Uh, Even if my my foot was at full strength, it would have been quite the effort to get to this stream. And uh, I don't deserve a medal. I just am happy that I got my way into that fish. It was a real blessing, a very cool experience. And again, it's a six-inch fish, but it is a trophy because it represents uh, the culmination of literally decades, decades of, of fly fishing, decades of trout fishing, and uh, really appreciating the sense of place that comes with fly fishing. Hopefully you appreciate that. Hopefully that's something that you enjoy about fly fishing. It's not just about that tug on the other end of the line. It's not just about tally marks at the end of the day. It's the fish that you're pursuing where you pursue it. Would I have been happy if he was a 16-inch trout? Absolutely. I mean, I I would be over the moon if that was the case. But I'm still incredibly happy uh, for a 6-inch trout, uh, where I caught it, how I caught it, and when I caught it. Do you have a situation like this? Do you have a story about a fish that you've been chasing almost illogically and would be very difficult outside of maybe a 20-minute anecdote for you to explain to somebody? Let me know. I'd love to hear it. Shoot me an email, matthew at castingacross.com. Uh, I'd love to hear that, and uh, maybe I can share some of those here in the, the coming weeks first article on casting across this week is called Fixing Fly Fishing Failure, Three Thoughts. So this article is actually me anticipating everything I just talked about. What happened last time? How can I learn from it? And as I said, one of those things was focusing on what I was observing last time. Even though I was primarily just disappointed that I wasn't catching fish, what can I take away from that? And what I can take away from that was I needed to slow down and watch. Not just do what I wanted to do to the river, but let the river tell me what I should be doing to it. And that's exactly what happened today as I slowed down and waited and watched this fish rise and kind of diagnosed how to make my presentation in light of that data. And then Wednesday, the article is called Trout and Feather July. So this is my monthly contribution to the Trout and Feather website and I wrote an article about fishing further upstream than I'd ever fished before. And this is actually kind of cool because this article really is based on a river in South Central Pennsylvania, and I drove past this river this week, and uh, it's not one of the premier rivers with trout in it, but it is a river that I really, really came to love and uh, primarily because, not the size of the fish, but the exploration that went into fishing. So again, it's not... About numbers, it's not about size. It's about the sense of place and what it means to you. Maybe because you are giving it meaning, or maybe because there's just a lot more than fishing that's involved. So that was the uh, post on Trout and Feather. But then there's also some great tying videos, including a two-minute uh, midge that is a really, really fun and easy pattern. And the cool thing about it, and Tim explains it in the video, which is uh, embedded on the on casting across, it's that you can actually tie a smaller bodied midge on a larger hook if you get the right hooks so if you are trying to compensate for some deficiencies in your intricate tying this is a really cool midge pattern that you should definitely check out this week's recommendation on the podcast is the i-drain neoprene wading sock from corkers so one of my wading boots that i really enjoy is corkers but I am incredibly pleased and uh, very, very happy to recommend the iDrain neoprene guard sock. So, there's two two models there's a 2.5 millimeter waiting sock, and then there's a 3.5 millimeter uh, guard sock. And so, that has that cuff or the gaiter that folds down and uh, covers up the uh, kind of the shank of your boot. And this is an incredibly comfortable boot. All the hiking I did today was wearing this sock, uh, and I had worn it previously also. No blisters, no hot spots, no grit and grime down in my, um, my boot. I ordered it true to size, according to the corker boot size that I wear, and it fits perfectly. They're tight, but they're not so tight that they're hard to get on or hard to get off, both dry and wet. But uh, they retail for 25 for the 2.5 millimeter, which is the sock, and 35 or 34.99 for the 3.5 millimeter, which also has that uh, gaiter um, on it that keeps more debris out of your waiting boot. That's a very, very normal price, but they're excellent. They have little perforations in them, which allow the water to move out. So you're not walking in soup, especially if you do something like I did today, or something more extreme, something less extreme, really, really cool product. I'm very, very pleased with them. Go to corkers.com to check them out. I'll put a link to the I drain neoprene guard sock, the one that I wear, um, the three and a half millimeter one, in the show notes of the bottom of the podcast. So you can check them out. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.